have your Bibles, would you please go with me to Matthew chapter 5. We start a new series here entitled The Sermon on the Mount. How many of you ever heard of that phrase right there? The Sermon on the Mount. Eh? I remember reading uh, some biblical illiteracy stat sheet that there's a lot of people that maybe think Billy Graham gave this sermon. And we know that's not true. Who gave the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And that title, Sermon on the Mount, it doesn't necessarily give us a like, clear understanding of what's being spoken. Okay? It just gives us more or less the, the setting in which this took place. It would be like if I said, today is the Sermon from the Pulpit but doesn't really give you any idea of what I'm talking about. I heard one suggest a great way to just kind of summarize this is it's the sermon of a monarch and that this right here is actually a king giving the citizens of the kingdom rules in which we should operate and which we should live by. I will warn you that the passages, Matthew 5 through 7, with the Sermon on the Mount, it's counterculture. It runs against what the world would say you should do in situations. And sometimes these things are going to be very painful to hear, and they might be hard to swallow. Like, you mean Jesus is telling me I need to, to do this? And the world's like, no, and you should do this. And, and so you're going to see how difficult some of these things are. But it's almost like a constitution for citizens of the kingdom of God. And we're going to walk through them here today, starting with this passage that's often coined as the Beatitudes. And the word Beatitude, it comes from a Latin word, Beatus, which means to be blessed or happy. Did you know in America that we're currently living in some of the least happy days. Probably have to just turn on the news for five minutes and you see all the turmoil that's going on. I want to just give you some good news here today that I believe that if you look at the words of Jesus right here in the Beatitudes as well as the rest of this series on the Sermon on the Mount, If you look at these words and apply them into your life, I'm going to tell this to you, and I mean this sincerely. You will have the best year of your life. Do you believe me? Yeah. And I'm not saying like you're going to walk out and just amazing things circumstantially are just going to start happening to you. In fact, if you start applying these things, they may actually get worse. So how could I say you're going to have the best year of your life? It's because I know that there is a blessing that is from the hand of the Father when you apply these truths into your life. I guarantee it. And we can take God at his word. We can take it to the bank, so to speak. And that word blessed, when you hear these things like blessed are the poor in spirit and and blessed are those who mourn, Uh, That word bless doesn't necessarily mean like circumstantial happiness. If if something really good happens, like your team just won the game, we're happy 
and it's because of the circumstances, right? But this kind of blessed is a deep state of well-being that is going well with your soul. It's a spiritual well-being, not so much on the circumstantial side of things. It's important for you to hear that because, again, Jesus' message, it's like flipped upside down compared to how the world operates, how the world operated at that time and how it's still operating today. So before we start here in Matthew 1, this is words of Jesus given to us today. God speaks through his word. Let's pray. Settle our hearts to receive from the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time spent here in this passage, the Sermon on the Mount. And as we break down this first section of what you shared, the the Beatitudes, what it looks like to be people who are living blessed, who are living in this spiritual well-being, Lord, I pray that you would help us to glean from your words, that your spirit would guide us and lead us into a deeper walk with you and a greater effectiveness as citizens of your kingdom. So we ask for your blessing on this time. Be also with our children's ministry. Bless their time in the word. Thank you for all who are helping to just pour into those kids. And Father, also, we just want to take a moment right now and pray for the family of Glenn Markley. We just ask for your comfort, your peace to be with them. May your grace just be with them in a very special way today and in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you for this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In lead up to Matthew 5, where Jesus gives this Sermon on the Mount, There is a great multitude, a huge crowd that is following him. One of the greatest reasons why they're following him is he's healing people. And there's sort of this attraction to what Jesus can do for them physically. And then Jesus begins to lay out what he can do for them spiritually. So right here, Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, starting in verse 1. It says, One day as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, again, the multitudes, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down, and then his disciples gathered around him, and then he began to teach them. So to enter into the scene here for a second, I'm going to invite you to stand. Hello. And I'm going to sit. Matthew 5 now, verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn. For they will be comforted. And God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they 
will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You may be seated. Thank you for your participation there. I want to start just by kind of opening up here with verses 1 and 2. This is a king's speech. I said this is uh, the king. He's laying the groundwork. This is what it's like to live in my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And so he's laying this down. And what's interesting is there's this huge crowd of people that are following Jesus. Jesus sees the crowd kind of coming around. And then he kind of gathers his disciples. I want to talk to you. I want to teach you. So he goes up to this hilltop. And he begins to teach. But it says that he sat. He sat down. And the position of a rabbi or a teacher at that time, when they would teach, they would sit. And they took a position or a place of authority when they sat. In fact, the students would be standing during the rabbi's teaching. Would you like to stand for the rest of my message? If it's short. If it's short. <laughs> oh. Lord knows that would take a miracle, wouldn't it? Yeah. One of the practical reasons for standing is so that folks wouldn't fall asleep. So any of you dozers out there... Please stand. Don't stand. Don't stand. But it's the authority. And as they're standing, they're receiving from the one who has sat. And so this king is laying out the rules, if you will, of his kingdom. And he begins with just what seems to be contradictory things. And we'll begin to walk through this. But it says... In Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who realize their need for God. That's essentially what that means. You think, blessed are the poor. We're not talking about those who do not have the finances, those who can't afford to pay their bills. These are people who recognize that they need God's help. Does that make sense? Jesus says, blessed are those, that state of spiritual well-being will be with those who recognize their need for God in their life. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can be in this kingdom if you realize your need for God. Now Jesus is known for telling folks that the Holy Spirit would come to convict or convince people of their need for Jesus in their life. 
And so those who have not yet placed their faith in Christ, may the Holy Spirit bring you to a place where you say, you know what, I think I'm poor in spirit. I need God's help. Not only do I need God's help with maybe this situation or this circumstance, I am poor in spirit, which means I bring nothing to the table spiritually. I'm dead in my sin. I I can't make it to heaven. I can't enter into the kingdom of heaven in my own way. I need help. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, who realize that you can't do this on your own. You're going to need some help. Okay, then the next one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For years, I have used this verse to comfort families when they've lost a loved one. Blessed are those who mourn. I'll say it a lot at funerals. Now, there's different theologians, people who study the word. I remember reading uh, David Jeremiah's uh, walkthrough here of of the Beatitudes, and and he just kind of singled out this verse and says, you know, God will help people who are hurting. But there's also a whole lot of interpretation that goes a bit further than mourning a circumstance, the loss of a loved one, whatever it might be. I I I do want to tell you, God comforts people who are mourning. That, that's truth even outside of this passage, okay? But what Jesus is saying here is those who mourn over their sin. You see how that changes that? I'm not just mourning the loss of a loved one or grieving the circumstance that I'm walking through. I realize I'm poor in spirit, and the reason why I'm poor in spirit is that I'm a sinner because of the curse of sin, and I need God's help, and I see my sin for what it is. I'm not casual about it. In fact, it grieves me, and I want to to go away from that life of sin. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn over their sin. You you have to have a sensitivity to the fact that you're not holy and you need him to come and minister to you. And so Jesus does come. He says, if you mourn over your sin, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to bring forgiveness into your life. And I'll set you free. From that conviction and that guilt of sin. Blessed are those who mourn. Because God can come to you and he can help with that area of unholiness, of unrighteousness. They will be comforted. When you mourn over sin and the things that break God's heart. He comforts you with his righteousness, with his peace, and with his joy. The next verse says, blessed are those who are meek. Bless the meek. Bless those who are humble. Now, this word meek means to be gentle. We live in a world, in a society where uh, it's kind of dog eat dog. I got to look out for myself. 
and, and we begin to kind of marginalize those that might threaten us. But in the way of the kingdom, it, it we're people who are gentle. And we don't need to try to bull rush our way into things because we believe that God is powerful enough to pave the way for us. Do you believe that? You don't have to then begin to pound your own agenda. You let God direct your steps and you follow his lead, not make your own way. Being humble and submissive to God means that you're more concerned about God and his people than you are about getting your own way. And when you do that, there's a surrender. It says, it's no longer about me. Because again, as a citizen of the kingdom, it's about God's kingdom. And then God says, and by the way, you'll inherit the whole earth. We know that that will be fulfilled in the end when Jesus comes to reign and those who are in his kingdom will get to reign with him. But I also want to tell you this. If you trust God to pave the way for you, I want to tell you this. His way is better than your way. And there's going to be things that you begin to touch that have favor on them. And God's blessing will be with you if you do it his way rather than your own way. Now the verse of the week. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Some folks think this might be the most important verse in the entire Sermon on the Mount because if you don't have a hunger and a thirst for God's righteousness, you will miss out on the deep intimacy that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll just be someone who goes through the motions. The king brought you into his kingdom and it's not like he just goes back to his palace and says, just enjoy the benefits of you know, the kingdom. Hopefully good days will be there. You know. He says, I'm going to have a relationship with you. There's an intimacy that comes. And the key to the intimacy of that is your hunger and your thirst for God. Desiring his presence, desiring his word, desiring fellowship with him and his people that help to just experience God in amazing ways rather than living life isolated in your own kingdom. How many of you are hungry physically right now? Okay, can't wait for snack church here in a few minutes. Okay? You can, if you want, Try a little homework assignment. Don't eat anything at Snack Church. <laughs> Again, we need a miracle. Okay. And then when you go home, don't eat lunch. Consider fasting until later this evening. And as your body responds with that hunger, think of the verse of the week. And then just ask yourself, is this how I am spiritually? Like, do I go an entire seven days 
before I eat again? Do I hunger and do I thirst for God? Because the spiritual food is more important than the physical food. Now, I do think at some point you should eat. And, but with that in mind, you can't have a diet that is also full of just sugar all the time and has no nutritional value. A, a donut-level spiritual diet is not healthy. And then when you struggle to wonder why you're not experiencing God, it's because you are not eating on everything that he has for you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And then verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They shall be shown mercy. And I want to walk through this. Mercy is this extension of compassion to people that are around you, stepping in to help ease people's pain, being someone who can be there for people. But mercy is also extending compassion to those that hurt you. And Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, blessed are those who show mercy, whether it's to hurting people around you or the people who have hurt you. And as you do so, I have the power to work situations out and extend mercy into your life. Now, I'll even back this up a second. So that's like he's going to work that out, extending mercy to you. But as a believer, as a citizen of the kingdom, have you already been given mercy? 100%. And so we see even in teachings of Jesus where he's saying, because you've received mercy, go and be merciful. But now there's even another part to this. He's, he's saying, blessed are those who show mercy because they'll receive it as well. Blessed are the pure in heart, verse 8. For they shall see God. The purity of heart involves being authentic before God. Being real with him. That's the good, the bad, the ugly. God, this is who I am, and I need you in my life. I need you to be at work, and you're going to see him operating powerfully. To be pure in heart means I want to desire things that please God. God is holy. He's set apart from the world. He's set apart from sin, and he's saying, I want you to pursue me, pursue my righteousness, pursue my ways, and when you, I'm just going to tell you this right now. This is God and, and his ways right here. Here's the ways of the world and sin and unrighteousness. Okay? And, and we're kind of torn. We look here, we look there, right? And, and you can't really mesh them together at the same time. I mean, there's a certain point where you say, in order to pursue God and be pure in heart, I have to turn from those things, which is called repentance, we turn from wicked ways and we pursue his ways. And as you walk in that, you're walking in purity. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter what you used to do. 
Because God says, for those who are in my kingdom, I've made you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But the problem is, is you still live in a world that's like, yeah, but come, come back. Come back over here. You know, didn't we used to have fun? And what's disheartening is that we live in a world that thinks that if you leave the ways of the world and pursue God... You're missing out. You don't want to have any more joy, do you? Meanwhile, God's like, I'm here and I'm ready to give you the time of your life. And he says, you'll see God. So not only will you get to see God in the future face to face, it's just be amazing, but you're going to see him at work. You're going to experience him. In ways that you could never imagine. He's going to take you on an adventure with him. He says, let me show you how I'm going to use you. You've been created to serve in my kingdom. Let's go. We've got work to do. And we join him in that. Meanwhile, the the world's like, hey, slow down. You know, come back. We have things we want to do too. But focus on purity in the Lord and watch what he does. Search him. And part of searching for him is asking him to search you and say, God, if there's anything in me that is not pure, deal with that. And as I deal with that, I believe I'm going to experience more and more of God. You're going to see him in greater ways. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. A peacemaker is someone who's a mediator between estranged parties. Can you see the gospel in the peacemaking, the mediator? You reflect the character of God when you step in to be a peacemaker. But the first step that you have to make in order to become a peacemaker is that you have to have peace with God in your heart. The mediator, Jesus, has to have brought that reconciliation into your life. And once he's made that change, then you can be an instrument of peace. And you help other people find peace with God. God says, you're my ambassadors. You go and represent me, bringing reconciliation between me and these people. So we, that's our job. That's what we do. Every day. And then also we become peacemakers in situations that are struggling. Between people who have maybe difficulties here on this earth. And by the grace of God we we do our best to bring peace. This last section here is actually the longest. Not just verse 10 but we also get a little extra just in case you look at it and you go, I don't like this one. Jesus is like, well, I don't really care if you don't like it. I'm going to expound on it, actually. Persecution. Walking through difficult things because you're choosing to live by the way of the king and the way of his kingdom. Again, the world does not like God's ways. 
In fact, the world thinks that the ways of the cross, it's foolish. And so we navigate a world that hated Jesus, and Jesus says, because they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. Say we're in good company. And this punishment, let me rephrase that. Persecution is suffering for doing good. Punishment is suffering for doing evil. And so as we live for the Lord and we have these things sort of coming at us, it's comforting to see that Jesus says, as you do so, these things will happen, but your reward is great. Where is this reward? It's in heaven. Delayed satisfaction. (laughs) We have to sort of give up our rights in the moment. And we say, but this is what is best. And I can lay my head down on my pillow each night knowing I did the right thing. Even if the world doesn't like it. The Fire Bible notes say this, those who uphold God's standards of truth, justice, and purity, refusing to follow and walk in the ungodly lifestyles of society, they're going to be unpopular. You'll receive criticism and opposition from the world. Christians must beware of the temptation to compromise in these kinds of moments. The principles of God's kingdom never change says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, everyone who lives a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Not may run into that at times. Might, but I mean, maybe if you can dodge it all, you'll be good all the way to the end. It says you will be persecuted. It's better to stand for what's right, even if you're standing alone. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if the world had nothing better than a cross for Jesus, don't expect the world to roll out a carriage for you. There's a cost to living as citizens of the kingdom, but Jesus says you're going to live in this state of a spiritual blessing. And you're going to have things operating inside of you that's different from the rest of the world. I entitled this message, Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. Because you think, whenever I walk through things, I'm just going to be happy. And the reality of it is, sometimes circumstances just flat out stink. And they're hard, and they're difficult, and that's life. And there's all kinds of stories that I'm I'm speaking to right now as you sit here, and you think, how can I be happy, happy, joy, joy as I go through those things? And as I looked up the happy, happy, joy, joy, Google gives us this definition. It means that one's happiness comes from within a person, not from external factors. Now, the world would say, just be happy with self, right? But from a biblical standpoint, I can agree with that definition because my happiness comes from within a person. Who is that person? 
It's Jesus. And what that tells me is that joy is not the absence of trouble in this life. Joy is the presence of Jesus. And as you come into the kingdom, you have access to the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who can control every area and aspect of your life. And he may allow trouble, but it comes with great purpose. Continue to pursue him. My hope today is that as we walk through this, number one, that everybody listening to that message from Jesus is that you're encouraged by what he says. The other thing is, there could be somebody listening to me right now that as you consider what it means to be blessed by God, having that state of well-being in your spirit, as you're listening to this, you're going, I don't know if I have peace in my life. And the reason why is because you haven't brought Jesus into the equation. And the Holy Spirit right now may be convincing you to receive Christ. Receive the King. Enter into his kingdom. I know that the the ways in which he calls us to, they're not worldly. And and they're not going to be something that's comfortable. But God gives you a blessing spiritually that you will not find anywhere else. Come to Christ. He will touch your life. He will bring you blessing. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these words from Jesus, counterculture, and it really pricks our heart. We have the things we want to do. We have our desires. We, we wrestle sometimes with, with saying no to ourselves, and, and here Jesus is calling us to a way of the gospel where we lay our life down and we pursue the king and his kingdom. And I pray, Father, that for everyone listening, we would be encouraged by the truth that there is blessing as we walk in God's ways. God does work in our life no matter the circumstance, as long as we submit and we follow what he says Lord if there's someone listening right now that you've been talking to their spirit and if they reflect on their life right now and they go "Where is Jesus in my life and they don't know if they could answer that with clarity with conviction But something today is calling them, and I know it's the Holy Spirit inviting them into a saving relationship with the King, Jesus. And he's saying, come and live in my kingdom. If you desire to live in the kingdom of God, you must come to Jesus and confess your sin. Acknowledge your sin. Jesus said, mourn over it. You recognize you're a sinner, and you place that sin at the foot of Jesus and you say please forgive me asking the Lord to enter into your life and begin to do a work in you changing you 
turning you from the world to the ways of God. If you desire that today, I invite you to pray with me right now to receive Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I want you in my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Today, I'm asking for your grace to come and change my life. I want to be a citizen of your kingdom. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. And help me to live in the purpose that you've created for me to live in. May I walk in your will. May I walk in your ways from this day forward. Thank you for touching my life. Lord, I believe that you are doing things right here and right now as we are closing this time together. And I pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, we would not be people who are dying for our spiritual food, but that we would have a diet where we're just consuming your word on a very consistent basis, being citizens of your kingdom who are spiritually healthy and who are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled.